All right, what is up? My name is Mick Breggy. It is the second episode of the Fan Label B-Sides podcast. This is a show where I interview artists with a focus on the new music industry and all how we're all trying to make it in the scene. As always, this podcast is sponsored by Fan Label, the app where fantasy sports meets music. Go to fanlabel.com to learn more and download. It is designed by yours truly. If you haven't listened to it yet, tune in to Play the Music podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Simplecast, wherever else. If you haven't listened to it yet, I do a lot of the creative work on the show, and I join in to do Pick One Out of Fives, where we use our A&R year with the host, Jeff Sloan, to determine what songs are going to be hot each week. But also, it's just a good way to stay tuned to what's happening in the music industry. Today, my dear friend, the mega-talented... Tessa Fanari, who also goes by Allium, is on with us today. She's an electronic musician, producer, DJ, vocalist, multi-instrumentalist, biohacker, space priestess, and she made sure I said that. She's based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and her music ranges from synth pop to glitchy bass house. She's intrigued by futurism. She has an LED mask. She's badass. It's really, really cool. She comes from a post-apocalyptic sci-fi world. That's Allium, not Tessa. Tessa studies sound engineering at the University of Michigan, and her latest release is a song titled Robosexual, which we'll play now. That is a little bit of Robosexual. Let's jump right into it. Again, this is Tessa or Allium, who I am so excited to be talking to today. Tessa, we both have the issue of not sleeping at all and just being yeah. insanely caffeinated. Yeah. But I think both of us have talked about this before in the sense of our most productive times are the caffeine-fueled 4 a.m. anxiety-driven nights. Yes. I don't know what it is because every time I get to, like, sleep time, like, it's 9 o'clock, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll go to bed early. I'll wake up tomorrow. I'll go to class at 9.30 and I'll be a good student yeah. at U of M and it'll be fine. And then I end up staying up until like 4 a.m. because I wanted to go on my computer and like, oh, I just want to listen to this thing I was working on one more time. Right. And then it just feeds into itself. And then I end up working on a song until 4 a.m. because I just wanted it to sound a different way. Yeah, that's how it's done, yeah. though. I think that's yeah. like the creating drive. Mm -hmm. You just have to jump in and open that project in the middle of the night and just go at it. And that's like mm -hmm. the most, that's the weird part of the night, right? 3 to 6 a.m. when yeah. stuff starts happening. Yeah. And I did this last night even. Like oh, I, I literally got like four hours of sleep last night. Mm. And I feel fine now because, you know, I'm hyper caffeinated at this point. Right. But like I was up working on my new album, like working on some of the songs. And like I just wanted it to sound a certain way. And I'm like, this has to be done soon. And I have to get it done. And just like all this pressure. And What are you working on? I am working on either. Well, it's either going to be an EP or an album. It depends how many songs I get done. I'm working on a new song right now called Generated. Um, there's one called Cyber Girl. There's a lot of different song concepts that I'm working on, but it's called Dea Ex Machina, okay. which means goddess from the machine. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of a play on Deus Ex Machina. So I wanted it to be like the female version. Sure. And instead of like from the machine, it's kind of literally the machine. So I'm like working on like cover art and stuff that kind of conveys that. Right. Yeah. Now, you have released Robosexual most recently, and then yeah. before that, it was Escapism. And Escapism had its own kind of narrative baked into that, which mm -hmm. I kind of see threads that are being continued in all of your work. What was Escapism about primarily? And actually, right now, let's listen to a little bit of City Lights. So in this release, I know you were talking a lot about, like, come on this journey with me. And when you listen to the full EP start to finish, you kind of have this narrative that you tie into a lot of your work. And I know it's just like, it's your space priestess, this yeah. like badass, like half human, maybe a little bit mechanical mm -hmm. in some ways, mm -hmm. but like this nebulous vision of yourself as you go through your, your releases. Mm -hmm. So how does this tie into escapism? How does this new work that you're doing tie into that? So I guess I'm really obsessed with the idea of developing a character and using sound to kind of tell a story and shape a persona. So escapism is kind of like the beginning of this persona. And 
When I started making these songs, I wasn't originally going to make an EP. I just kind of had all of these like really like mid-tempo synth pop tracks that sounded alike. And I was kind of using my ukulele to shape them. And I was working on the mask and I was doing all these different things. And I'm like, how can I tie these together in something that's more cohesive? So I kind of started thinking about um, like if this was a character, like what would she be like? Like what is Allium? And so it just kind of became this like person who is on like this weird futuristic version of Earth where people have like left to go colonize other planets. This is gonna get a little nebulous here, but um, Allium is sort of like someone who like dwells on a futuristic version of Earth that's becoming abandoned. So this story is kind of like her going to the stars to kind of pursue this new adventure in like this new world, this new futuristic world where other planets are being colonized. And that's kind of like the story I started developing. And I'm kind of thinking these are the songs that she would sing or she oh, would gotcha. create right. if she were about to go and join these colonists on these other planets. So I take a lot of inspiration from the gorillas mm. and how their characters are kind of designed and how the music kind of ties into that. So I kind of wanted to put my own spin on that and kind of develop Allium in a similar way. Right, and mm -hmm. like the character that you're creating is a reflection of yourself in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it takes a lot of these themes into account. And that, mm -hmm. that transitions over to your stage persona because I know when you're performing on stage, you have a LED mask on. You have an outfit that is really reminiscent yeah. both of like your own style, mm -hmm. but I think is kind of like a heightened version of that. How did you come to these decisions and talk a little bit about your persona on stage and the mask? If you have, if people who are listening are familiar with, with what you do, it is really, really cool to see. <laughs> I kind of always wanted to wear a mask on stage because ever since I was like kind of performing in like high school and early days in college, I, when I wouldn't perform with a mask on, I, I just had lots of like stage fright and anxiety. And for some reason, reason like wearing a mask helped me gain that confidence because it didn't feel like I was projecting like myself as much from the music. It was more the pure creation and I wasn't like as attached to it. And so for like, for some reason it was more comfortable for me to perform in a mask because I was like kind of someone else because Allium is like this other like version of me, but it helps me access my confidence in a lot of ways. Gotcha. Yeah. So it is turning on this character. Yeah. When you go yeah. on stage and you put the mask on, is it just like a totally different feeling that you have mm -hmm. when you're entering that space? You're just like, this isn't even me anymore. Yeah, it kind of is like that. I put the mask on and I just feel like I've become this new person. It's still me, but I feel more confident I feel more forward, I feel more unafraid. And in this industry and in this time, it's like really, it's kind of necessary. I feel like, it's, I think for me, just to be able to get on stage and at a lot of these nightclubs and kind of say, hey, this is what I do. This is me and I'm not sorry. And you're gonna listen to my music. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Unapologetically. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. this, this does tie into, you know, the imbalance that you're seeing in the electronic scene between dude DJs mm -hmm. and when you come into a space and you have this persona and this confidence and it really just captures the attention. Like everyone is drawn to you immediately. What is it like working within, especially the electronic scene, maybe locally, but I think it, it speaks to a broader narrative beyond and what you're doing with, uh, with how you're putting a spin on that? I don't have a lot to compare it to. I haven't participated in other parts of the industry, more acoustic music. So, and I haven't like talked to people a lot on that side of it. I don't know how different it is, but I know in the music industry in general, it's very difficult for women to just like operate. So I've found that wearing the mask and like going on stage, it makes me feel like in a way that I belong, but in a way that I know I might not. Mm. So I think that's where the confidence ties in because I know that I've been the only female on lineups like a bunch of times. And I noticed that, but I kind of just have to go up there and be like, you know, I'm just, I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. And it can be, it can be tough because I, I do feel like sometimes people treat me differently and it can be really difficult, but 
I feel like the character design, the way I've kind of made my voice unique and the way that I carry myself, I think it definitely helps a lot in the industry. So, no, I think that's interesting that you bring up the fact that there doesn't have to be the separation to begin with. Yeah, that's it's so easy. Like, it's not hard to do. Like, the fact that I am a woman shouldn't, like, be, like, as... I would say it's important because it, it is inspiring to people like me, but don't just don't don't like identify me as the female EDM producer. Like I I never started making music because I wanted to be a female electronic music producer. I just you wanted, wanted to be, to be an electronic music, music producer. producer. It's not that hard. Like I I just feel like sometimes that's the first thing people see about me. Like oh she's a girl. Right. And like I've been in like green rooms before where I'm like the only girl and I feel like I'm kind of overlooked a little bit because no one suspects that of me. And in some ways, it's really like easy to like navigate things because no one suspects you of anything. So like you can be in the green room, you can listen to all this like shop talk going down and you can kind of take that in because people underestimate you. Mm -hmm. And in some ways you can take advantage of that. But it's just kind of like, yeah, you don't want to be known as. Anything but the producer that you are. Yeah. And I feel like in some ways the mask kind of like changes the identity because like I have a very feminine mystique. So like (laughs) I feel like, I don't know, I just, I'm frustrated with it. I don't know like how, I haven't been in the industry that long and I'm already sick of it sometimes just Mm -hmm. thinking about the ways that people have like invalidated me because it's assumed that I don't know. A lot. And it makes me second guess myself. So it's just, it just feels unhealthy sometimes. And I have to like gas myself up all the time. And that's kind of why I make music about being a badass. Yeah. Because I kind of have to, right? (laughs) I love that perspective of everything that comes out in your music is like, yeah, I know what I'm talking about because I have all this experience and I can probably do it better than you. But that's not even the point. Yeah. It's just that I am. I am doing my thing here. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that I am where I am and that I'm still doing really well. And I'm just like frustrated. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> it's exhaustion, right. fatigue. So with all those factors into consideration, how did you come to that final iteration of that character of yourself? Yeah. So I've been making music under Allium since like, it was like 2015. I actually released an album back then. And it was more of an abstract kind of persona in the sense that I I never played shows back then, which isn't that long ago, but Mm. I knew I was going to wear a mask. So I had like this profile picture where I had like my hands over my face in a way that it was supposed to be like mysterious. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. Oh my (laughs) God. So I've seen this picture that you're talking about. Yeah. And I just put the two and two together that even the shape of your mask Mm -hmm. now is very similar to the shape of like you cupping your hands over your mouth. That is insane. It's designed to look like that. That is insane (laughs) that you've you've carried that thread all the way through. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I just really like the aesthetic of like just covering like part of the lower face, especially as a singer. Right. That's like a very no-no thing to do. Yeah. But once you put a mic inside the mask and then you introduce processing, you introduce animations on the mask that kind of almost extend your expression with technology, I'm just obsessed with that. Mm. And honestly, it almost allows for further expression, even though initially it was a limitation. It is now almost unlimited because of the way I can use technology to express myself in that way. Like I have so many ideas still. I'm going to 3D print a mask hopefully this year. Right. And like do some more animation work with it and like get some really cool stuff going for that. But yeah, right now it's built of cardboard. <laughs> so. But you can't tell. And that's the coolest mm-hmm. thing. And it has like the LED array and, uh, and everything like that. How did you come about the, the design process for it? So you have this mm-hmm. idea, this vision. It's, yeah. coming, it's stemming from your 2015 yeah. photo of yourself. Yeah. What is the process of you going out and actually designing that? And also, how did you get into oh, what got you into the futurist aspect of all this, of, of messing around with like Arduino boards and things like that and, and producing the LED array? So I actually built a mask before this one that was also made of cardboard, but it was kind of bulky and it had these valves on it. Mm-hmm. So it was more reminiscent of a gas mask of some kind. 
And I think part of wanting to wear something that resembled a gas mask was just like knowing how how toxic the industry can be mm. for women. And I wanted to wear something that was like a gas mask to kind of symbolize my like trying to filter out all of the negativity. Yeah, I love and, that. Yeah, and try and like deal with that. And I was making a lot of like really weird glitchy music at that time that was kind of an extension of my almost like frustration with how things like seemed to me. And it was like really heavy and glitchy and I kind of think that like fit at the time. And then I couldn't actually see over this mask so I couldn't DJ in it. And that was when I was just starting to like learn how to use a DJ console mixer. So it was not ideal and I needed to make something more sleek. And I moved on to creating something that is now the Allium mask that I have currently, which is the one made of cardboard. Mm. And I realized as a vocalist, I'm like, well, I still want to sing, so I'm going to put LEDs on the front of it. And I think that worked really well. And I was able to figure out how to, like, animate it. Was it that mm. easy of you just going, like, oh, I still want to sing. I guess I'll put some LEDs in the front of it. Because I feel like that is, like, I, that alone is such a thought of how, yeah. you know, it, it ties into your presence and, and persona. Yeah. How did you even come to that point to begin with and know that, like, okay, this is going to be heavily electronic-based? It's going to be this design. It's going to have this light array. It's kind of weird because I feel like almost my life has like set me up for that because my dad actually bought me the first Arduino microcontroller mm -hmm. that I've ever used. And he like kept talking it up. He's like, this is really cool. You should use this. And then when I was making this mask, I thought, wow, I should try and put this on the front of it. And so I kind of designed the mask to like fit that in there. Yeah. So, and yeah, that first gas mask had the same module in it and I just like fit it in a different design. And I, I ended up figuring out how to work with getting it to interface with Pioneer CDJs so I could do beat sync. Sure. And so I could also run vocals at the same time. So I have designed like a really rough toggle to put on my arm that I can press the button and it toggles on like vocal mode. So I'm also working on that. That's also kind of sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> At the moment, I'm kind of hacking things together as I go. Right. But I think that's the joy of it is like figuring out new ways to express myself and try and like modify my performance. It's almost like, you know, it's like biohacking in a way. Yeah. Like you're wearing these, these tools on your body. Yeah. And changing up your set mm -hmm. in real time. Yeah. What are your plans for that? I want to hopefully move toward, like I said, 3D printing something expanding my LED array to like my torso, seeing if I can get something that looks like a screen on the center of my chest so I can do cool like videos on it and try and get like a heart like show yeah, up or yeah, something yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of cool ideas. I think a lot of that inspiration, I used to do like cosplay stuff in like high school right? at the Renaissance Festival and I used to play a lot of World of Warcraft and I was like obsessed with all the different like armor models that you could put on your character. Now it's been forever just looking for cool armor. And now you get to do that. Yeah. For and real. now I like build it. <laughs> so it's like, dude, this is sick. I love it. It's so cool. Yeah. So um, I know we're talking a lot about the, the visual side yeah. of you going on stage mm -hmm. and performing. Mm -hmm. um, do you think you're accurately portraying yourself as an artist through the narrative that we talked about and through these visuals and everything that you're designing? Do you think that your, your vision of Tessa, mm -hmm. but also Allium is one to one? Do you think it checks out here? I would say it's nearly impossible for any artist to accurately represent their own vision of themselves because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the the it's not always going to be equivalent what you imagine and what you create. Sometimes it could be better, but I do think that my skill set is still, you know, I'm still learning things. I'm never going to know everything. I'm never going to be perfect at everything. So I feel like in some ways that what I make will always be an approximation of the ideal vision of myself. So in some ways that's kind of exciting because it leaves, you know, things open for interpretation because if it was exactly what I wanted it to be, that would kind of be kind of like a dead end right? like thing to do. So my endeavor is kind of just always creating, always improving, always exploring new ways to be Allium. Or, and to just be myself, like in my normal life, like I'm never going to perfectly be me. Like, what does that even mean? Right. Yeah. It's kind of ambiguous. So 
a constant evolution. Yeah. That, like go Always coincides changing. with learning things mm-hmm. and about yourself too. And you're in school right now. What are, what are you doing at U of M? Because I know it's been, there's a few different things that we've talked about before, yeah. whether it's gone into audio engineering mm-hmm. or professional audio technology. Right yeah. yeah. How have you been able to take what you're doing in your music and follow that into your education? Well, I'll explain what it was like last year when I started performing a lot more. So initially last winter, which was like the second semester of my sophomore year, I was doing sound engineering. So I was taking physics, math, all of the really hardcore classes at U of M under the performing arts technology major in their program. So that was right before I started performing and writing music a lot more prolifically. And then summer kind of came around and I was doing an internship at Harmon Carden and I was doing some sound design for their electric vehicles. And I kind of learned that I liked doing sound design and working with actual production more than I really wanted to sit in an office and work on software. And I just felt like the sound engineering degree wasn't going to fully fit what I wanted to learn out of my college experience. Right. Because what I was doing was changing. And what I yeah, knew what I wanted right. to do was changing. Yeah. And I was I was watching this happen in real time because you were working on music and you were doing shows and then you're like, oh, I got to go to work tomorrow morning. Yeah. And, then, and you, you, had, you were getting booked and booked and booked yeah. and wanting to play and wanting to work on yeah. your music. And that's when it was like the 4 a.m. grind every single night. Yeah. And then eventually you had shifted this. You yeah. had changed your, your major, your focus. Yeah. I'm still under performing arts technology, but I'm like in a different like branch of it. I'm in doing the Bachelor's of Fine Arts degree in performing arts technology with a concentration in sound engineering. Okay. I still have my sound engineering degree in a way, but it's more open to me learning how to do like interactive media design, designing performance systems, which is basically what I do with Allium. Right. My biohacking setup is basically like a performance system. Okay. So So you're tying your your education directly into what you're doing. Yeah. And I thought, why not just do what I actually love to do? So I'm just going to get an education and do that and like learn how to make myself a better artist in that sense that I can like directly inspire my music with what I'm doing at school. So it's not as draining to me. And I'm not just like getting up to go to a math lecture for an hour and sit there and be like, oh, man, I want to work on music right now. I want to work on my gear right now. So it's like, right. why am I sitting here? <laughs> I should just go do this. Was that a scary shift? It was, and it took me a while to fully accept that I was going to be in like an arts degree instead of like an engineering degree. Both my parents are engineers. I wouldn't say they pressured me to be an engineer, but I felt like I wanted to follow in their footsteps a lot. So I almost pressured myself in a lot of ways. So I ended up just last semester, I, I kind of took a semester off which I think was the best for me. I took like two classes. It was really light. And I focused on making music and kind of figuring myself out Mm -hmm. because I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I really decided I really just want to learn how to work on my gear. I really want to learn how to be a better version of Allium, I guess. And more fulfilled. So this is now you're performing and your music in Allium Mm -hmm. in all senses for the long term. And you've kind of made that shift now going into... Going into the new year, you're like, okay, I'm doubling down on this. That's great. A lot of people don't come to that conclusion. It's mm-hmm. always just kind of sits as a side thing, especially as you're you're in school. But that, that's a big risk to take. Yeah, it is. And I'm glad I took it because I didn't see myself being happy, just kind of like trudging through it because I, I'm just not that kind of person. I can't do something that I like really just don't see the fulfillment in. Mm-hmm. I don't like wasting time. I'm not patient. I, right. I really want to learn things right away. I really want to get things done right away. And I figured that if I'm going to do something, I think the most efficient choice is just to, you know, learn about what I'm already doing and what I want to do. So that's kind of where it went. Right. So now that you have this kind of big open frontier of now you know what you want to be doing, you're going to keep pushing forth on Allium. You must be thinking of the long road ahead of like, okay, well, now I'm really hungry for what I do. How am I going to make it in the new music industry? And what am I going to do in my scene that's really going to propel me forward? So what have you learned and what have you been doing that takes Allium to like the next few steps yeah. up, the next level? But I, it is, it has been for you, do you think, like a consistent 
growth? Yeah, I think it was more exponential when I just started performing because once I got one booking, like another person would hear about me and then I would get more bookings and then it kind of slows down after a little bit. So I'm not sure when my next show is. I have to look at my calendar. But right now it's more of like I'm taking a hiatus because I'm back in school full time and I'm working on the album slash EP. Right. (laughs) So that's kind of where I'm at right now. In the future, I think, well, I'm actually seeing it now. I started collaborating more with other people. And I think that really helps both my knowledge of production quality, because I still don't know everything about audio. I'm not perfect. Right. So I'm still learning that. And I think collaborating is a good way to like understand and learn how to make your music pop and how to make it diversify your own profile of what you do. Yeah. So collaborating is a really good way to do that. And also just going to other people's shows, just seeing what other people are up to, seeing what they're doing. And then that leads to collaboration too. Who has been your uh, dream collaborator that you want to work with? Oh my God. That's, there are so many so good artists that I listen to. I'm like, I want to collaborate with this one and this one. I listen to like so many different artists. I would say right now I'm making like bass house glitchy stuff. So I would want to like maybe work with Rez. Okay. Gastly is another really, really good artist that I could work with. And Whipped Cream. He's also awesome. Whipped Cream. <laughs> Whipped Cream, yeah. So we were actually talking about this beforehand, too. Um, there's a lot of Grimes influence in that, your sound yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, that, that there is. Where do you think that your music is reflective of like an amalgamation of these kind mm-hmm. of artists or is this solely yeah. your voice on these tracks? Well, I think that what I listen to definitely influences what I make and I definitely listen to Grimes and I listen to the things she she does and I'm like, I like that. I'm going to try that. And then I end up liking it and then it stays in the song. Right. I would say, yeah, Grimes is a really big influence for me in the sense that it affects like my vocal, the way I sing. I used right. to sing lower and more like alto like feel to my voice it's just higher pitch and it's cutesy Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really just like the way it sounds for some reason it it also just fits better in the mix because with a lot of the like glitchy bass music I make it's hard to fit in like a lower voice in there so I almost want to do that because the airy vocals stick right out of like a like a really dense mix so with your voice shifting over time has your sound shifted over time too. Oh, the yeah. rest of the sound definitely I do a lot of this thing where I take my vocals and then I'll resample it and edit it and make it sound different so I think the way that I sing definitely influences my sound because my vocals end up as little cool sounds like in my song sure so I would say that it does influence my own sound and the way I sing also embodies different emotions and I feel like the music kind of follows that so I would say it's kind of complicated. <laughs> Escapism sounds totally different than robosexual. Yeah. And that's a short period of time yeah. between those things. I mean, like, it's 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 still you. Yeah. It is 100% allium. Yeah. But in terms of what you're going for, escapism yeah. is kind of free-floaty, and you kind of have this, this journey as you go through the album. Yeah. And then you hit robosexual, which is your latest release, and it's just not that. It's hard driving. Robosexual is this angsty robot tune that I made inspired by Futurama. Okay. There's this... <laughs> Hold <laughs> <So> on. <laughs> that is just not where I was expecting you to go with that at I all. I love Futurama so That's much. so funny. <laughs> like nothing we've talked about had led us to that moment of just Futurama coming in left field I... <laughs> and it's right over the head. Dude, Bender is like my hero. All right. That's so funny. Um, How did that happen? I'm just like, what if I made like an angsty, like almost like poppy, dancey, robot, sexy tune. <laughs> and, like, and then I did it. And I'm like, this is kind of dope. I'm going to release this. And I, I feel like it, it sounds pretty good. It's really yeah. different from escapism. Right. Because I've been obsessed with making heavier and heavier music. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Robosexual is like going to be this middle ground between my Dea Ex Machina stuff and escapism. So it's like this weird chapter where I'm like in between phases right now. And I feel like 
it's kind of inspiring more of my sound design work with working in serum a little more because I used to do a lot of sample based production. So I'm like trying to figure out a little bit more how to work with just like different like oscillators and FM and trying to work with wavetables mm -hmm. a lot more because there's so much more possibility and so much more control over working with something like a MIDI based plugin like Serum. Okay. It's a highly manipulatable wavetable synthesis software that you can use in a digital audio workstation that lets you like directly manipulate the sounds you're creating and you can manipulate it in like a lot of different ways and it's it's what everyone uses now because it's really easy to connect things to other things. I've been using Serum more and more and trying to get better at doing sound design in Serum because mm. I feel like sample based production is it's kind of unstable in the sense that if you have an idea you can't really manipulate the sounds in all the ways you want to because if you like put in a sound sample of a chord you can't like change the individual notes, mm -hmm. but I feel like working with Serum is more streamlined in the sense it'll sound better because you have more control over what you're actually outputting. Tessa and I worked on a project, a side project uh, that needed some background music. And one time we had this idea of we were trying to capture the sound that we were looking for, which was kind of mechanical and kind of had this like uh, repeating bounciness to it. And so we were talking about going to the Henry Ford and we oh, went yeah. there and we went to the Henry Ford and we looked at all these different sounds, yeah. Henry Ford Museum, that had tons of exhibits going on. One of which was like Mathematica, which had mm -hmm. all these sort of mathematic displays, which had these really interesting oscillating sounds. Yeah. And I think what was so funny, which talks a lot to your production process, is where I was listening to this sound that was going into this, like it was a ball rolling down a tube. Mm -hmm. It was part of Mathematica. And we're listening to it. We're like, that's a really good sound. We're recording it. And he went, damn it. I wish I had my contact mic. It would sound <laughs> so much better. And meanwhile, you play this back for me and it's just the sound. Yeah. But I think it shows just how detailed you get with having control over the sound mm -hmm. that you're trying to produce. And I feel like your production process really follows this. And now that you're, you're going through multiple releases and you're working on these tracks, mm -hmm. has it totally shifted? Are you getting more detailed? Is that what the tools you're using now is, is more in that direction of having complete control over the process instead of yeah. relying on samples to yeah. make that happen? It definitely ties into what I was saying earlier about having a vision and being able to approximate it well based on your skill set. And I think that skill set includes having control over your sound and mm -hmm. what you can actually do with what you have. So sometimes it's not a limitation of what you can do. It's a limitation of how your workflow is. So in the sense having something, having more resources like a contact mic or having a Zoom recorder, you know, better quality, closer uh, sampling of the sound can really give you more control over the sound, can make it cleaner. Like if you want it to be, if you want the background sound, then you can use the Zoom recording. If you want something that's more just like the pure vibration from where that like ball was falling into, you'd use the contact mic. Mm -hmm. So you have more choices. And it's the same idea with using sampling. If you use sampling, you have to accept that there are certain limitations with that. And there are limitations with every way and every tool that you're going to use. Right. I guess it's just like working with different kinds of limitations. What are you most comfortable with? And I've really just started working with that and thinking about that more and more as I produce. And even just like discovering my sound over the years, like what kind of limitations am I okay with? What kind of limitations am I not okay with? Do you feel like the limitations are now just out the window? Um, I would say it's becoming that way. I would say there's always going to be some kind of limitation, but in some ways that kind of lends itself to the aesthetic. So, for example, I'd say with escapism, I didn't have as much knowledge of serum. So the whole aesthetic became me like recording in my ukulele and just singing and using that and sort of processing those sounds to create the whole EP because that's kind of what I had at my disposal and Robosexual using serum a little more because I wanted more control. I wanted something heavier, introducing more like sub bass through serum because it, you can get it to sound really clean. Samples are just like inherently not as clean. Right. So stuff that's like perfect wave shapes produced by serum just sounds better. So I'm like moving in that direction to like a more and just ever like cleaner sound design. So 
Yeah. Let's listen to a little bit of Up because I know there's a specific point in Up off mm-hmm. of escapism where you are utilizing, I think it is your ukulele, right? Yeah. It's like heavily I modified. I believe the whole it's towards... song is ukulele except the percussion. So. Oh my God. And my voice is not ukulele. Not a ukulele? I wish well, it that's... was. That is sweet. <laughs> you could just, yeah, be sweet. you just open your mouth <laughs> and just the ukulele <laughs> just comes out. Yeah, here we go. Right. There it is. Right. You know what I'm talking about? It's like the brassy thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that a ukulele? Yeah. What the hell? It's distorted. <laughs> I can hear it. And that's so fun because it adds a quality. Yeah. That you wouldn't get on a track like this. I think yeah. like you, you really have taken the electronic music angle of it mm-hmm. and curbed it in a way and let you play with this instrumentation, let you play with sampling in a weird way. And now you're moving beyond it and going like, and I'm just gonna play with the whole the whole waveform. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna take yeah. control over the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So where would where would someone start with this? Cause I think everything about Allium for, I mean, this must for younger musicians getting into this space, it must just be like a whole hell of a lot of inspiration because you're like, you can chart how your divergence from the sound and you're wearing a cool mask <laughs> and you have these this like really amazing visual style that you complement with your music. And so I feel like someone coming in or looking in at this who's like, I want to do what, what Allium's doing. I want to do what Tessa does. Where do you start with that? Where did you learn to get into your, to get into this process in 2015 or before that? Um, I started producing in, I think it was the summer of 2012. I went to an astronomy camp and I, there was a like a camp counselor there who was like playing organ to like that was inspired by like the stars. So I was just like there looking through the telescope, looking at Jupiter, like through these giant telescopes. And I'm like, this doesn't even look real. What is this? This is yeah, so yeah. weird. And I just felt like my mind was opened to like the fact that there is a whole universe out there and we're on Earth. That's where we are. <laughs> so... I, you went to a camp that opened your mind, yeah, and then you started making music. As a child, that was like, dude, this is whack. And there <laughs> so, were no drugs. There was no psychedelics no, at that point. It's no. amazing. Yeah. Moving forward from that that summer, I was like, I got to do something about this. I have, to, I have to do something. And I tried playing violin, and I tried singing with my guitar, but, like, nothing was enough for me for some reason. I would always be trying to, like, make sounds that I couldn't make and maybe that ties into my impatience like I just didn't have the virtuosity or like the skill level to like express what I wanted to right pre-2012 you were playing violin right yeah so you come from a musical background a little bit as well yeah okay violin I had some piano lessons I was in church choir for like eight years when I was in like middle school elementary school high school Mm -hmm. that era of my life and I just went to that astronomy camp and immediately like started making electronic music on this platform called Linux Multimedia Studio that my brother was like making little beeps and boops on. <laughs> Peter's beats and beeps and boops. Peter, yeah. And so he showed me how to download it and I just started making music and my first song was called Into Space and it's about a rocket uh, just blasting off. Oh my God. So I would say that the production quality is definitely, you know, I was just starting out but like the... The aspects of like me creating stories and sort of building sounds around entire narratives is still there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that has definitely carried through like both of like the albums I had released in high school and sort of the EP and going on from there. Day X Machina will be the same way. I think that it kind of shows that that's just kind of how I've always operated creatively is just pairing it with some kind of story, visual, emotion, that kind of grouping. Yeah. Yeah. So then that's how you started. What do you recommend for someone just getting, just jumping in? Maybe who doesn't have yeah. music experience at all, no mm-hmm. violin, no piano, going in totally raw. Well, I know that not everyone has the same resources. I would say the best way to begin just making music in general would just be to like play with sound even just start listening to your environment. Pauline Oliveros really taught about listening to your environment and kind of really being aware of just how things sound. I think that's like the very, very first thing that someone could do is just kind of like pay attention to sound 
really intimately and see how it ties into your environment, how it makes you feel, how it makes you look at things differently, how it contextualizes things, how it can be disembodied from the source. And then moving on from like a less abstract form, you can kind of like if you have the resources, downloading something onto your computer can like like Linux Multimedia Studio. Uh, I know Reaper is also another good program people use for more acoustic forms of music. I think you can do it with electronic music too. Going on from from there, you can just start making what you imagine and what you hear and then just like taking from your environment, recording stuff like on maybe your phone or just getting stuff offline too. And that's like a really good way to start is just making what feels right to you because there's no such thing as like good or bad music. It's just kind of like, this is sound and you should just make what you really want to make. So I think that's a good way to start. How did you choose electronic music to be your medium of choice? I would say I chose electronic music because, again, like the, there's not a lot of limitations in a sense that you can pretty much make any sound you can imagine in a digital audio workstation. It's kind of the ultimate instrument. There are no limitations in creating sound. Whatever you can imagine, you can probably do it. It might take a lot of work and a lot of learning. It's certainly taken me a long time. I've been doing this for a while, and I still like feel like I can't do everything that I imagine. But what pushes me is just knowing that there are always going to be new sounds that I can create. And I will probably be able to spend a lifetime creating music because that's just so fascinating to me, is that there are just an infinite number of ways that you can manipulate sound. So I feel like that's why I've chosen electronic music specifically is because of its lim limitless nature. What do you think are some of the biggest obstacles you have to overcome? I'd say having greater knowledge of how to create specifically electronic dance music. I'm still trying to... That's EDM. Kind of master... Yeah, that's EDM, which is a super general term, and I kind of don't <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like... I, I like kind of don't like it. Electronic musicians just hate I don't around EDM. But that's, like, the only thing that encompasses, like, all of the music I make because it's very diverse. Right. So I'm like, maybe I should just say EDM, but at the same time, like, uh, maybe I shouldn't say right. that. And then immediately you become Skrillex, and no one wants that. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> That's, <laughs> I think Skrillex is pretty good. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> his production is so good. Anyway, right. I would say it's my like production quality is still like learning how to make it sound well or sound good. I, I feel like I started working with more reference tracks lately. And that's when you use someone else's track like next to yours and you kind of, you know, A and B them as you're processing them and kind of mixing them. So you know that they sound in some way similar. You don't want to sound better than your reference track because I don't think that sets you up for success. But I feel like... What kind of reference tracks are, are you using? Um, I've been using a lot of stuff by uh, Black Tiger Sex Machine. Um, also, Whipped Cream, Res, definitely. Your key and, collaborators that yeah, you want to work with. Yeah. And uh, Joyride, too. Really good bass house stuff. Sure. Yeah. Because that's what I've been trying to like more hone in on like sound-wise. Who have you met that you've taken that inspiration from? I really like the music of Freddie Todd. He's based in Detroit. So I've like met him and I've even like picked his brain a bit about his production quality. And I, I really like his just incredible diversity of sounds. And I've just kind of like taken that in consideration. He does a lot of resampling too. And I've really, really started diving into that and kind of placing sounds where I feel like they fit and kind of going in like a more abstract direction with like in terms of like melodic, like in harmonic content, um, like a more textural feel and working with a lot of more like percussion and really, really incorporating just like a lot of different percussive sounds because I feel like sometimes I don't do that enough and I want like more rhythm. So I'm like trying to work with that and I take a lot of inspiration from Freddie Todd in that sense. I opened for him at Owl Club. So that's where oh, I met nice. him. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. What was your favorite venue to perform at so far? I would say Electricity in Pontiac. Honestly. Yeah. So Pontiac like, in general, isn't that kind of a scene in its own right? I feel like Michigan does yeah. have a growing electronic music yeah. slash EDM yeah. scene itself. How do you fit into that? I'm still kind of new. So I'm still kind of just like floating around and finding my place, I would say. I'm more Ann Arbor based, but even that's like hard to describe because Ann Arbor is not really a bass music scene at all. 
except for Necto. I really yeah. like performing at Necto too. I honestly love all the venues I perform at. I'll be real with you. Like <laughs> they're all pretty sweet in their own way, even though sometimes like it can get sketchy, but right. yeah. One of my favorite shows that I've gone to of yours was the Blind Pig show. Mm -hmm. The Blind Pig as a venue yeah. is just so much fun. But the diversity in the music that you can hear there is mm -hmm. insane. Yeah. And your music in particular in the Blind Pig had totally transformed the space because mm -hmm. you had your audiovisual setup. You had you up there. And everything that was coinciding with like your visuals and your mask and everything like that really brought the performance. That was really cool. I like that venue because it feels more intimate because it's a smaller venue. So in a sense, it's like I invited all my friends and they were all there. And it felt like a more genuine space to perform because, you know, I go to U of M. That's like a very historical venue there. And kind of like being a part of that feels really special to me. For those people who you performed with or who have played there, how do you feel like you're setting yourself apart, even in a local crowd? Definitely, I think playing electronic music is very different for Ann Arbor, or at least the style that I play at Blind Pig. is That's, I think, a way that I set myself apart. I also think that I don't know if I'm ever, like, trying to set myself apart, and I'm just trying to, like, convey my artistic ideas. So it's not so much about being different as it is just trying to express yourself. Yeah. From your performance at The Blind Pig to what you're doing at festivals, where do you see your trajectory going this year? And where do you want to perform most? I really see myself just playing more and more shows. I really love to play shows. I feel like that's where I'm like most of myself and where I get to really like exercise my expression via technology. So I feel like playing at bigger and bigger festivals will help share my music with bigger audiences and kind of find a place where I belong. Right. I think that's kind of also part of what I'm trying to do. I think that's such a good thing that communicates in your sound as well, though, mm -hmm. too, is that it doesn't quite fit in with everything else you're hearing. Yeah. And so it's interesting when you say that, you know, you're not trying to set yourself apart mm -hmm. from what you're seeing in the rest of the scene, but you really are just doing what you're doing yourself yeah. because that's just part of you. And I think that speaks a lot to the kind of music that you make. And that's kind of how I feel about it is I just want to play my music and I want to go to festivals and I want to share it with people and work with other people and create something that really like resonates with people because I feel like that's the end goal for a lot of audiences is to like have an amazing experience. And that's sort of what I've always tried to design is what would make this experience more meaningful for an audience and for me. Right. So I feel like that's kind of where I see myself going is I think going to bigger and bigger festivals will give me the chance to work with people and help me create more meaningful experiences as I like become a bigger artist. I love your story. I love the influence of technology into your sound. I think this is really cool stuff Thanks. that you're doing here. So Tessa, what's your favorite or the funniest story about a show that you've had so far? Okay. Yeah, I have one. So one night I was at uh, last year Sacred Vibrations Music Festival and I was there with my brother and one of my friends got like kind of really drunk or something one night and I like didn't see him the whole night. So in the morning, I like woke up like in my car because you sleep in your car at these things unless you're like cool and you brought an RV, but I'm not cool. Um, <laughs> I like I, I was trying to like move my car because someone was trying to like move their car like nine in the morning. I don't mm -hmm. know why. And so I put my car in reverse. And I was like, I look behind me and there's someone like passed out behind my car and he's just like laying there, <laughs> just oh totally wiped God. out. And I'm like, that's really strange. I hope I don't like accidentally run over well, this, this person's person. head. Like, right, 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 which you almost did. And then like five minutes later, I go over there and it's my friend that was like passed out the night before that I didn't Jesus. see the whole night. Jesus and he parked in like car. a different lot. He's just sleeping behind your he's car? He's just sleeping behind my car. I'm like, why are you even over here? Like. Did he catch your set? Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was so weird. That's so funny. Yeah. It was It was just so bizarre. Because then I, like, thought about it later. I'm like, wow, I could have almost killed this person. Jeez. That <laughs> Which is, been... like, really intense. But, like, the press you need. it didn't happen. <laughs> so we're fine. <laughs> I'm responsible. Yeah. I'm going to uh, Electric Forest this year. Oh, yes. And uh, I think I'll be there. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. I was if I can if you find some tickets last minute, which is right. not possible because it's sold out. Right. But we're going to, 
I'm gonna try to. And uh, do I'm uh, I've never done specifically the electronic music festival scene. Um, it's a wild so ride. I'm really <laughs> looking forward to it based on everything that I've heard. I'm really really excited for Dea X Machina, mm-hmm. which comes out uh, later this year. Sweet, <laughs> <laughs> sometime in 2020. Yeah. And also check out allium.audio to learn more about shows coming up soon. Yes. And before we close out, let's do a quick pick. Okay. Why don't we do Doja Cat and Kalani? Okay. So sample them first. Let's do, listen to Go to Town first by Doja Cat. We've been on a, a Doja Cat theme lately. On the main Paleo Music Podcast, we were talking about Doja having the song, uh, the key track for Birds of Prey. Mm. The, oh, uh, yeah. Whipped Cream is on that. Is it really? I'm so excited. Oh, my God. She is so awesome. Okay. That album is insane. Yeah. And I'm Doja so on excited. it is so good. Yeah. I'm actually really excited for the movie. I think I mentioned it in passing last time. I really, really hope it's good mm-hmm. because I think it's super fun. Yeah. The concept itself is super fun. Yeah. Suicide Squad, piece of trash. But I hope yeah. this is good. I think I think it's gonna be amazing. We're yeah. gonna do we're gonna do movie uh, reviews yeah, now. Just, <laughs> talk about this for a while. In. Let's talk um, about Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, and then this is Gangsta <laughs> by Kalani. What do we think, Tessa? Go to town, uh, Doja Cat, or Gangsta Kalani? Gangsta. You think so? Yeah. Even with the Doja hype? We I talked don't know. It, we, we hyped up Doja. Fine. I don't... <laughs> you pick. Go for it. Well, you're, you might be right, though. I don't know. I'm listening to you because you, you absolutely uh, have a better you A&R got a point, here. You got a point, though. Like, that's a big movie, and I feel like... All right. Go to town. Not it. Oh, my God. You were right. I was right. I'm so awful. <laughs> I should have listened. Should listen to the guests. Oh, my God. Tessa, thank you so much for being here. This is a lot thank of fun. You for having and me. I love hearing about what you're doing. I think there's a lot to impact for people who are getting into the space um, and wanting to do more of what you're doing. I think everything kind of follows the narrative mm-hmm. of do what you feel is is right. And, and it, find those interests on your own and not just based on what you're listening to or not mm-hmm. just what you think is popular, but really dig in there of what you like. Yeah, just kind of follow, follow your heart. Oh, there we go. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful message to end on there. All right, Tessa, thanks for being on. All right, folks, thanks for listening. A big thanks to my guest today, Tessa or Allium. Please check out her work, Escapism and Robosexual, on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever. And also check out Allium.audio to listen to more of her stuff and follow her on social media. That aside, be sure to subscribe to Play the Music wherever podcasts are listened to and tune in to our next episode, which you'll hear about first by following at Fanlabel app on social media. Thanks so much for listening. And thank you, Allium. 